Well, we're over in the book of Joshua, chapter 23. Last time we looked at the eastern altar, the altar that was built on the, uh, around the, the river for about, by the eastern tribes. They built it, of course, on the western side of the river, but it was for them to remind them and to remind the other people what was going on almost started a civil war because of what someone heard, what someone said. We went over, over that, that whenever you hear somebody say something about a thing, Consider the character of the person who's saying it. Consider the character of the person they're saying it about. Check the facts and count the cost or the impact that will be there based upon your reaction. Help us to curtail a lot of the things that we otherwise might do. But over here in Joshua chapter 23, Now it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel for all their enemies around about that Joshua's old, advanced in age, so what he does is he calls everybody together. Now, it, it took about a five-year campaign as they were going through. So we're figuring that this is somewhere around 25, 30 years after that, that he decides to call everybody back. So it says, a long time after. Well, this is Joshua writing it, not the Lord. <laughs> if the Lord said it was a long time, you know. <laughs> because we've seen some of his short times. Verse 2, And Joshua called for all Israel, for the, their elders, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in age. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is He who has fought for you. So you have seen all that the Lord God has done. He's commanding these folks. They, they were with Him as they were going through all the battles. They were with Him as they were going through all the experiences with God. And they said, you guys saw this. You need to pass it on. You need to instruct the people because you're going to outlive me. I'm, I'm ready to go. And so you're going to stay here longer than I am. So it's, it's going to rest upon you. And you've got to trust it into other people's because after you guys go, the rest of them haven't seen. Perhaps you have seen all that God has done. See, I've divided to you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off, as far as the great sea westward, and the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight, so you shall possess their land as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right or to the left. Now, we see this all the time. This is, of course, the words that were given to Joshua. Be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Moses was given these things. Be strong and very courageous. And Joshua is passing this on to other people. If you're, not very, if you're not very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, he's saying that you will turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. It doesn't matter if you turn off to the right hand or to the left. If you're off the road, you're off the road. <laughs> It's not like the right-hand side is better than the left-hand side. Brother Hagin used to always tell us about those ditches. He said, the enemy always wants you to get you on a ditch on one side of the road or the other. And it don't matter which side of the road. You can get into a ditch to where you don't do anything or a ditch to where you're doing everything. You can get to one extreme or to another extreme. But both are bad. Don't get into extremes. Stay on the road. That's the one, one thing the devil likes to try and do a lot of times with us is, is uh, if... Well, if this truth is good, then really go at it. No, that really going after it sometimes puts you into the ditch. Don't be, uh, don't be going out that way. Therefore, be very courageous. 
to keep and to do. Verse uh, 7, And lest you go among these nations, those who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall serve, you shall not serve them, nor bow down to them, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. So he doesn't even want them to make mention of those gods. Don't, don't make mention of them. Don't follow after them. Don't bow down to them. Don't swear to them. Get them out of your, get them out of your land. Get them out of your thoughts. Get them out of your way. Don't pick them up. Then he says, hold fast to the Lord. For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations. But as for you, no one has been able to stand against you this, to this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love your God. So this is his exhortation to the, to the leaders. And we're going to go over more again as to, we're kind of going to break it down here a little bit, exactly what he's telling them to do. Verse 12, or else, if indeed you do go back and cling to the remnant of these nations, these that remain among you and make marriages with them and go into them and they to you, if indeed you do go back, he's talking about going back, if in other words, if you, basically, if you backslide, if you go backwards, because they once used to follow after these gods. Some of these gods. Some of their fathers before Abraham, they followed after them. If you guys go back into this, if you cling to the remnant of these nations, these that remain among you and make marriages with them and go into them and they to you. So he says, or else if you backslide, the Lord will no longer, and then he gives them a list of some things the Lord will no longer do. Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you, and scourges on your side, and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. So the Lord's not going to do some things for you. He had done these things for you, but you decided to backslide. You decided to go back to some of those other things. And now He's not going to do that. He's not going to drive out the enemy the way He did before. You will not stand before them as you did before. Because that's one of the things Joshua said. You, no one has been able to stand before you. But if you fall back into these things, they're going to be able to. So as far as the battles that we encounter, the Lord drives out the enemy and our enemies cannot stand before us. It goes on in verse 14. Behold, this day I am going the way of the earth. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. Therefore, it shall come to pass that as, that as all the good things have come upon you which the Lord your God promised you, so the Lord will bring upon you all harmful things until He has destroyed you from the good land which the Lord your God has given you. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God which He commanded you and have gone and served other gods and bowed down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you and you shall perish quickly from the good land which He has given you. So not only in the battles are you going to see a change, but also in the blessings. Up to now, good things have come upon you. But then harmful things, they're going to come down upon you. And this is, just, this is what he's exhorting the leaders. Now it is the leader's responsibility, basically summarizing some of the things that Joshua is commanding them here, is that first off, the leader's responsibility is to teach, to remind, 
They are to teach the ways of God so that they can do them and they can stay in them. They are to remind them of the things that God has done. They are to exemplify. As leaders, they are to exemplify for the people the way that they should go, how they should walk on that road. So they are to teach, they are to remind, they are to exemplify, and they are to exhort. If they see the folks getting off the way, getting off into the right hand, getting off into the left hand, not staying on the road, they are to exhort them and bring them back on into the road. They are to teach, they are to remind, they are to exemplify, they are to exhort. You want to remember that? Just remember the word tree. That'll help you to remember those things that the leaders are supposed to do. Teach, remind, exemplify, and exhort. So Joshua's addressed to all the people. He gathered all the people together. And before it was just the leaders, now in chapter 24, it's for all the people. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. So he puts the invitation out. I'm sure not the whole nation came out. There are some people that probably stayed back for one reason or another. But the majority of the nation, I guess, had to have shown up. And that's quite a trek for some people. They came on down. I mean, they're walking. It's not like it's... I mean, Israel's not a big country. It's not like the United States going from one side to the other. But they didn't have cars. They didn't have trains. They didn't have planes. Had to walk there. So that was a sacrifice for people to do. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Now, we talked about Abraham and Terah, his father. It seemed that Terah made a turn for God as well. But in the beginning, Terah was a worshiper of idols, as probably was Abraham. Your father served other gods, is what he's saying to him. They didn't serve the Lord God all their days. They served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave the mountains of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron. And a plague, and I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. Afterward I brought you out. So these are the things that God did for them. As they, they served other gods, but God brought them out of that, led them out of serving other gods and to serving Him. And then He says, these are some of the things I did. I gave them some things. I brought them out of some things. Verse 6, Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt. And you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. Remember one of the things the leaders are supposed to do? Remind. So they cried out to the horsemen of the Red Sea. I'm sorry. So they cried out to the Lord. And He put darkness between you and the Egyptians. Brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes saw what I did to Egypt. Or in Egypt. Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. <laughs> wasn't supposed to be that way, but it was a long time. But he didn't get into all the details of that. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. And they fought with you. But I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land. And I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel and, sent, and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore, I continued to bless you. So I delivered you out of his hand. The Lord said, he wanted to say some nasty things about you, but I didn't listen to him. I'm sure you all have people that want to say some nasty things about you or speak some awful things about you. The Word of God says, I'm not going to listen to him. 
And if the Lord's not listening, what's the matter? Then you, then you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you. Also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. But I delivered them into your hand. Now he's really given quite a quick summary. Because we know the details of all these things. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you. Also the two kings of the Amorites, but not with your sword or with your bow. I gave you a land for which you did not labor and cities which you did not build. And you dwell in them, you eat of the vineyard and olive groves which you did not plant. Imagine walking into that, taking over places. You didn't plant all the stuff, but they're growing for you. You didn't build the houses, you didn't build the cities, but there you just walk right on in, there they are for you. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river. And in Egypt, serve the Lord. He says serve the Lord in sincerity and in truth. Be sincere in the way that you serve the Lord. Don't do it half-heartedly, but serve Him. There's two things that we can serve. We can either serve the Lord or we can serve ourselves. A whole lot of people out there that are serving themselves. They disguise it like they're serving God, but they're really serving themselves. If we do things that are benefiting ourselves or our own interest, we're serving ourselves. If I do something as long as it feels good, if I serve God as long as I'm happy about it, as long as it's benefiting me, as long as it's for good things, then who am I really serving? I'm serving God as long as it's convenient for me to serve myself. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about insincerity serving the Lord. That means God will sometimes call on us to do some things that are inconvenient. Uncomfortable. It means we're going to have to love some people that, well, we'd rather not necessarily be dealing with. We're going to have to do some things I'd rather not do. I'm going to have to give up some things I'd rather not give up because I serve Him in sincerity. And then he says, serve Him in truth. We've got to learn what the true things about God are. There's a whole lot of people who serve God in the truth they want to create. And we can't do that. We've got to see what it is that God wants us to do. And find out what God says is true. In this world, you know, they, in, especially in this country, with all the political correctness they have and all the ways you've got to phrase things, you know, to make sure that nobody gets offended and everybody feels good about themselves, and, which, you know, that doesn't happen anyway. Someone can always find a way to get offended. They, uh, they certainly can. But, you know, we have to go around and we've got to do some things and, and make sure that some things are, are done a certain way. And uh, it's just not the way it's supposed to be. In truth, there are some Christian organizations out there that say they serve God and will promote abortion. Is that right? I mean, either God's in it or God's not. It's understandable that people in the world are going to support abortion and do things like that, but people in the church, they shouldn't have any part of it. But they're going to be doing that. Did you all hear about the, the what started, I think it was last week it got put into play? Last week, the, um, the, the dollar, a dollar of every single person's, uh, is it taxes or is it the uh, monthly premium in your insurance? Your insurance, all your insurance you're paying for health? One dollar of it is now being donated for the cost of abortions. This is, of course, because of the health care law that was, was passed. And you remember uh, Bart Stubach when he was in the news? Remember, he uh, wouldn't sign on to voting for the thing unless he was assured that no 
provision we made for abortion? And they gave him the assurance. Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid stood up there and gave him the assurance that uh, not one dollar would go for abortions. Guess what? It's not the way that it is. One dollar just went into law. Now, see, this is people that are saying, well, abortion is right, whether you believe it or not, but you know, we'll tolerate your, <laughs> your way of, of doing things. That's not right. If God is against it, God's against it. I understand that people of the world are going to be for it because they don't see the, the principles that are involved. But the church shouldn't have anything to do with this. If you're going to serve God, you've got to serve Him in truth. It's not necessarily an easy thing to stand up in a world that feels like if you say anything against abortion that you're going to be called out or different things are going to go on. But you need to do that. How many uh, ministers have we seen go on, on the talk shows and the radio shows and, the, and they're asked the question, is Jesus the only way? And what do they say? Well, you know, I, didn't, I won't say he's the only way. Yeah, big famous ones, they've gone out there and, and done it. I mean, I could tell you some names <laughs> that have, that have good, said that and you'd be shocked at some of the names that are there. But I'm not going to tell you if you haven't heard them. I know who they are. I know what they said. I know they haven't stood for it. You've got to serve God in truth. What does the Word of God say is truth? And that's how you serve Him. It doesn't mean that the world's going to necessarily understand it. it. doesn't mean that they're going to like it or accept it. But we still serve Him in truth. We don't compromise the truth. We don't take away that truth. The truth is the truth. That's all there is, is to it. Truth is truth. And here's the thing. What is true in the Word of God is true in the Word of God for everyone. It doesn't, it doesn't make partiality. It doesn't say, well, women don't have to do this, just the men. Well, men don't have to do this, just the women. It doesn't do that. The Word of God is true for everyone. What he teaches, the grace of God is true for all men. Paul has his way of putting it, whether Gentile or whether Jew, it don't matter. It's the, it's the same thing. Truth is truth. We are entering into a phase in this country where truth is only truth for certain people. And we've seen that in, in a number of different things. Uh, I know just recently they just uh, passed a law that a certain tribe of American uh, Indians are now allowed to shoot a bald eagle. Because up till, then, up till then they weren't allowed to. So they gave them special permission because they said it was a religious thing. And so they gave them special permission. Now, if you had some Christians who had some special, <laughs> some, some of these, you think that would go over? But they made the, the, the rule because here's what we want to do. The Constitution guarantees the same rights and the same laws to all people. What we're trying to create in this country is different laws for different people. And if we get you to accept that, we can, we can trash the Constitution, among other things. Don't, the Word of God does not work that way. The truth is the truth. And it's the truth for everyone. Young, old, it don't matter. Male, female, it don't matter. Sinner, saved. What is the truth in the Word of God is the truth in the Word of God. And what he says and tells them here, you need to serve God in truth and in sincerity. You need to sincerely serve Him and you need to do it in truth. Don't create your own truth. We've got churches all over the place. They create their own truth. They get one verse here, twist it around a little bit, and they get a whole doctrine out of it. And we're going to live after, after that. It's got to be the truth of the Word of God. You've got to 
order your, your life around what is the truth of the Word of God. And this is what he's saying to do. This is not just for the leaders. This is what he's exhorted all the people to do. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Starts off with fear the Lord. Too many times, folks, we say we serve the Lord, but we don't fear Him. Not you, folks, but other people. Because we don't fear Him, we can create our own rules. We can create our own things that are right in the eyes of God. And just say, well, I don't think God will do this. Well, it don't matter what you think. What's His Word say? We just stay with it the way that it says there. Used to, I know sometimes I listen to Brother Keith more. He gets to teach you on some things. And he's uh, funny. He says sometimes people come up to him mad at him. Because he said a certain thing. He said, he said, God wants, you said God wants this for us. You said God said this. And, and he said, I didn't say that. Yes, you did. I have the tape. I wrote it down. You said this. He said, I didn't say it. God said it. <laughs> I just repeated it. It's right there in the Bible. We don't always like that truth that's in there. We sometimes want to adjust it. We've got to make sure that we serve the Lord in sincerity and in truth, which means we endeavor all our lives. We are going to seek after what is the truth of God's Word. And when I discover the truth, I work to build it into my life. And I don't let it go. If, if God, if you said this is the way that you want it, this is, un, this is inconvenient. This is uncomfortable for me to do this. But I'm going to go ahead and do it. This is what you said. This is how you said to, to go about it. I'm going to go ahead and do it this way. And, and you do it. Serve the Lord in sincerity and in truth. Don't just serve yourself. It is too easy for us to fall into this, into this thing where we get to be self-serving. I'll do this because it brings me pride. It brings me gladness. It makes me happy. It brings recognition to me or whatever it might do. It brings something to me, but not to God. We've got to make sure it's in sincerity. Father God, do you want me to do this? I need you to, I need you to get in there and do that. Okay? Then we'll do that. And we serve the Lord. We can never lose sight of the one for whom we serve. Over this course of these verses, he's basically broken it down this way. As far as the Lord's side is concerned. The Lord gave. The Lord gave them lands. The Lord gave them vineyards. The Lord gave them cities. The Lord gave them some things. And they were a gift from God. Now, it's real easy for them to begin to say, no, 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 we took it. We went in there and we captured that orchard. We captured that city. We captured those lands. But no, the Lord gave. The Lord gave it to us. Whatever we have, we just look at it, Father God, you gave it to me. But see, the world wants to get in and say, no, 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 you earned it. You showed up at that job. You put it in that application. You went after that thing. No, the Lord gave it to us. Same way that they have the, the look here. We've got to look at it the same way. They walked into that. They, they were obedient. They marched around the city. They attacked when they were supposed to attack. They stood. They were courageous. They fought. They fought for hours, many hours, overnight, into the next day at times. They fought hard. They fought long. But it still says the Lord gave it to them. He says, don't you forget, I gave it to you. Because we want to get focused on what we did. And God says, no, I gave it to you. The Lord delivered. The Lord gave them some things and the Lord delivered them out of some things. He says, I delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians. I delivered you 
out of this. I delivered you out of that. I delivered you out of this person. I, he, he came on in when it looked like they were going down. He says, I delivered you. And lastly, the Lord defeated. The Lord gave, the Lord delivered, and the Lord defeated. He says, that army, I know that you guys, uh, you got their blood on your sword, but I defeated them. That was me. <laughs> it's really easy for us to look at our effort and begin to say, look at what I did. And the Lord says, no, I did it. But you see, if we're going to serve the Lord in sincerity, then we got to first off understand that everything I have, He gave me. Everything I came out of, He delivered me out of it. Everything I had victory over, He delivered me from it. Or He defeated it. I've got to look at it that way. If I begin to take and compromise this in any way, that, well, the Lord didn't give that to me, I took it. I earned that one. I deserve that. I mean, I worked hard. No. If I look at this spot that... Well, I, the Lord didn't deliver me. I, uh, I pulled myself out of that. If I look at this and see the, the battles that are won, no, the Lord didn't defeat them. I stood my ground. Even sometimes we say, you know, with nice Christianese language, I stood in faith and I believed. I believed till it hurt. No, the Lord gave, the Lord delivered, and the Lord defeated. Now, I'll tell you what, you listen to some people's testimonies. Sometimes we give testimonies that glorify us as if we defeated, we delivered ourselves, or we gave ourselves something. We've got to make sure whenever we're given a testimony, it always has these three things in it. The Lord gave, the Lord delivered, and the Lord defeated. But I'll tell you what, it's how many times have you given a testimony maybe, or you've heard other people... And you're given account for the Lord, but there's a temptation to begin to swing on over into that spot where you begin to say, talk about what you did. Look, but I endured. Oh, it was painful. Oh, it was hard. Oh, it was strenuous. What are you trying to do? We're getting away from what we're supposed to have done. The Lord gave, the Lord defeated, and the Lord delivered. Whatever it is that I'm involved with, whatever it is that I came out of, I must always remember, it is the Lord who gave, it is the Lord who delivered, it is the Lord who defeated. I just was obedient and, and did what He said, but He did all those things. We went through the whole story of all the things that the people of Israel did because the Lord told them, go here, fight here, do it this way, go out there and do this. And they did it. Great things came out of it. But when Joshua gives the recount, the Lord gave you these things, the Lord delivered you from these things and the Lord defeated these armies. Don't you lose sight of that. If we can just keep sight of that, oh, I tell you what, service to God becomes a whole lot easier. Make sure you stay within all those, all those things. He goes on in verse 15, and it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, or if it seems evil to, for you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve the other gods. For the Lord our God is He who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among the people through whom we passed. See, they've got the sight right. The Lord gave. The Lord delivered. The Lord defeated. They aren't trying to talk about their role in this thing. They're talking about God's role. If you're going to come out there and give testimony about what God did, it's about what God did, not about what you did. 
It's not 90% you and 10% God. It's not 50% you and 50% God. It isn't 90% God and 10% you. It's all God. Make sure you give a testimony. Make sure you talk about God to the people that you talk to Him about. And it's all God. He just did wonderful things. If you ever listen to Jesse Duplantis, I just love hearing him tell stories. He tells stories like it's 100% God and 0% Jesse. I just enjoy that about him. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwell in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then He will turn and do you harm and consume you after He has done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. So he's trying to get them to understand. This is not casual. You don't just say you serve the Lord and then turn your back on Him a week later. He don't take that well. So Joshua said to the people, You are a witness against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve Him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore, he said, Put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord your God of Israel. That would seem that some of the people must have picked up some of the foreign gods. Maybe, probably, probably not the people who showed up here, but maybe some of the people who stayed home. I don't know. But he's talking like it's going on. So he's firing them up, going home there and get them out of that thing. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God, we will serve and His voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statue and an ordinance in Shechem. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and he took a large stone and set it up under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness to us for it has heard all the words of the Lord which He spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to you lest you deny your God. So in case you're wondering, stones can hear. Because apparently that's what Joshua was saying. Now this is a covenant not between God and the people of Israel. We've seen a lot of covenants that were between Abraham and God, between um, the, the, the fathers after them, between Israel, between Moses and God and, and so forth. But this is not. God's not involved in this covenant. This is the covenant between Joshua and the people. This is the thing that they're saying amongst themselves. This is what we will do. This is not a covenant that God is making with them. Or that they're even making with God. They're just saying among themselves, this is the way we're going to go. And there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes we've got to just, you know what, we're going to do this thing. So Joshua let the people depart, each to his own inheritance. Now this must have been a sad thing. It's not really spoken about a whole lot here, but can you imagine all these people came on out because they wanted to see Joshua. Joshua's calling for the people. It's been a while. I haven't seen him in a while. Wondering how he was doing. Let's go on down and say hi to Joshua. We appreciate all the work that he did and helping us get in here. And so they get there and he, he starts out and says, you know, I'm old. I'm going to die. And uh, they're realizing this is the last time we're probably going to see Joshua. And so when they depart and they get head on home, what kind of a home going do you think they have? It's not as joyful as it could have been because they're, they're a little sad. This is the last time we're going to see Joshua. We'll never see him again. This is it. Now it came to pass after these things that Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. Who else was 110 years old? Moses was 110, wasn't he? Was he 120? Thought he was right around 110. 
And they buried him. That's right. He's three of three of the forties. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath Sarah, which is in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gash. So he got buried buried right in his own inheritance. Now here the Septuagint adds that when they buried Joshua, they buried him with the stone knives he used to circumcise Israel like Gilgal. I guess they carried those suckers around. <laughs> Kept them preserved in a certain spot. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. Which means, as soon as they went, what happened? Who had known all the works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. The bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel had brought up out of Egypt, they buried at Shechem in the plot of ground which Jacob had bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for 100 pieces of silver, and which had become an inheritance of the children of Joseph. Then Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died. They buried him in a hill belonging to Phinehas, his son, which was given to him in the mountains of Ephraim. And there it seems like it, it ends. However, the Septuagint adds a paragraph below this. So I don't know how much it was supposed to be in there or where it actually came from, but I'll read it for you anyway. In that day, the children of Israel took the ark of God and carried it among them. And Phinehas exercised the priest's office in the room of Eleazar, his father, till he died. And he was buried in his own place, Gabar. But the, the children of Israel departed everyone to their place and to their own city. And the children of Israel worshipped Astart, Ashtaroth, and the gods of the nations round about them. And the Lord delivered them into the hands of Eglon, Eglam, king of Moab, and he ruled over them 18 years. And that kind of introduces the book of Judges. Kind of leads you right into the book of Judges. Otherwise, you, they go from following after God and then bang, you're in the book of Judges. So I guess that gives you a little paragraph of a transition that they went and, and they did this. So as long as the leaders who were there, who followed, who, who were following after God and saw all those things they saw, they stayed with it. And as soon as those ones were gone... They went in a different direction. What a shame, isn't it? Well, what are we to do? I told you this was going to be about what we are to do and what God does. We see what the Lord God does. The Lord gives, the Lord delivers, and the Lord defeats. Everything that we have, He has given us. Everything He has, He has given us. Which also means what the unsaved has, He's giving it to them too. They're just not acknowledging them. Just because they don't, they don't see it doesn't mean that God didn't do it. But we want to walk in such a way that everything that we have, He's given us. Every victory we have, it's because He's defeated them. Every time we come out, it's because He delivered us. Every single time. I don't look at my own role. I don't give myself any glory and credit. It all goes to Him. But what are the things that we to do? First off, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. We need to be strong to do what the Lord says because there is pressure that comes upon us to not do what God says. We need to be courageous because there's a lot of pressure that is on us to get us to cave on the principles of God's Word. There's a whole lot of pressure on Christians to give up on their things. What we're being told is the way of the world, that's right, and we will tolerate the way of religions. That's not right. That's why this battle this year, I mean, it's not our, our folks, but the Catholic Church is going through quite a battle with the government. 
where they are telling, they want to tell religion what they can do. Believe me, it isn't long before they're going to be targeting other ones as well. And it's not to be going on. They have no right to be saying it. It is not that the government has decided this is right and we will tolerate you who say something different. That's not the way we go. But that's the way the pressure is. That's the way that, uh, that things are going. But be strong and courageous. He goes on this in, the, in the verse that we are to do all that is commanded. We are to know it, we are to do it, and we are to say it. We need to keep on going in that direction because there's going to be pressure to stop us from saying it. There's going to be pressure to stop us to learn it. And there's going to be pressure to stop us from doing it. But be strong and courageous to keep all His commands. Be strong and courageous and keep all His commands. The only way I can keep all His commands is if I continually learn what those commands are. Too many churches have gone on the way of teaching about just the social issues. We just want to teach about what the newspaper says here or, or situational ethics situations or, or feel-good situations here. No, we need to know what does the Word of God say? How does that break down in my life? What am I supposed to do with it? If I'm going to be strong and courageous to keep His commands, I have to know what they are. I have to know how to keep them. I have to know how to do it. But it's up to me, once I learn them, I got to keep them before me. I got to keep going. I can't diss some of them and say, well, I'm not going to do that because I don't like that. I'm not serving God. I'm serving me. I'm serving God as convenient for me serving me. But that's not right. We had that discussion on Sunday about God being the co pilot. If you weren't here, you didn't stay at church long enough. <laughs> but it was, a, it was a good conversation because too many people want to have God as the co pilot. He's not a co pilot, He doesn't play second chair to anybody. God is the first chair. Be strong and courageous. Keep His commandments. Keep His commands. Third, serve the Lord. We talked about that already in depth. Serve the Lord in sincerity and in truth. Be sincere about it. Serve the Lord. Know how to serve Him. Know what is serving Him. And be sincere in serving Him. Serve the Lord. Be strong and courageous. Keep His commands. Serve the Lord. And love the Lord. Love the Lord. This is not talking about an emotional love. You cannot command somebody to, to love emotionally. You just can't do that. It is, it is talking about how, how, do, how do we know that we love the Lord. We go over to First John. First John tells us all kinds of stuff about it. And we've got to get into what the Word of God says to show that we love the Lord. If the Word of God says, you can say that you love Him if you don't keep His commands. You're not, you're not a lover of Him. So keeping His commands is part of how we love the Lord. This is our part. This is what we need to focus on. Be strong and courageous. Keep His commands. Serve the Lord and love God. Love Him. Serve Him and love Him. Serving Him is not the same thing as loving Him. Loving Him is not the same thing as serving Him. There are two different things, but we need to do both. If we work on our part, God will work on His part, which is to give, to deliver, and to defeat. That's His job. My job is here. To be strong and courageous. 
to keep His commands, to serve the Lord, and to love God. That's my job. I gotta focus on my job and let Him do His job. If I do my job and let Him do His job, it works good. There's a, there's a happy, there's a happy medium to it. There's a part that we all have. You ever watch one of those sports teams? You know, you got, they say, you take like basketball. You got tall guys, you got short guys. It's real easy to figure out the tall guys ought to be underneath the basket and the short guys ought to be outside. There's some guys that can handle the ball and some guys that don't do as well with it. Each of them have a different role. You want to operate within the role. We all have a different role. God has His role. His role is to, to give, to deliver, and to defeat. My role is to be strong and courageous, keep His commands, serve the Lord, and love Him. That's my role. I need to take that role and focus on it. Be strong and courageous. There's a lot of things he told Joshua about that area of being strong and courageous. He said, no man will be able to stand against you. No man will be able to stand before you. So be strong and courageous. It didn't mean that they wouldn't look like they could. But he said, no man will be able to. So Joshua took on some pretty tall dudes. Some big guys. Some huge battles that looked like they were outnumbered. He took on a city and they had nothing to tear down a wall. But the Lord said, be strong and courageous. Because what God tells us to do is hard for us to do. Some of the, you know, we're a faith church. We believe in, believe in God for, for things. It is so easy. And you'll notice, I notice this with certain, certain people. That it's, it's real easy that when we're teaching on things of faith, that we believe things of faith. And as soon as you stop teaching on the things of faith, we fall right back into the things about unbelief. The things of faith tell you to say what it is that you will have. The things of doubt tell you to say the things that you have now. It is so easy to fall into the part where we are saying what we have instead of understanding that I can have what I say. There's a big difference. But if you listen to people in the way they talk, how many people, the way they talk, are saying what they have? Well, this is the way it is. And I just know sooner or later it's going to change. Sooner or later it's going to get better. Right? What are we doing? I am saying what I have. I may be expecting something to change, but I am saying what I have. What does Jesus teach us about it? You can have what you say. What did Jesus exemplify for us? You can have what you say. How many times did Jesus say, the Son of Man must be crucified, die, buried, and raised on the third day? Had it happened yet? But what's He doing? I can have what I say. But what did the disciples do? They were saying what they had. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. But when we want to be strong and courageous and keep His commands, serve the Lord and love the Lord, then we do what He says, even though it's beyond our comprehension. I keep myself up on that all the time. I may know these principles. I can still sometimes fall into that part where I am saying what I have instead of knowing that I can have what I say. 
But the Word of God teaches us continually, over and over and over and over. When the children of Israel under Joshua came to Jericho, they could have what they say instead of saying what they have. Taught them that. There are many things we have to to get down. When we hear the message, we need to take that message and put it into practice. We need to put it to use. We need to get it going. We've got to stay with it. Strong and courageous. But the world wants to come and attack us. The world wants to come and hit. No, you can't have that. No, that's crazy for you to talk that way. No, you can't. No, I can have what I say if I get out of saying what I have. But see, there's less pressure to say what you have. This is just one aspect of it. One aspect of it. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Keep His commands. When Jesus was teaching His, his uh, disciples about faith, was He making a, a good suggestion? Or was He commanding them to follow some things? And when they didn't follow it, did He get exasperated at the fact that they didn't have faith? Where is your faith? Where is it? Why is it that you have no faith? What's going on here? He's expecting there to be a change. He's expecting something to happen. Be strong and courageous. Keep His commands. Serve the Lord and love the Lord. Don't falter on those things. Keep them in front of you. Because there's pressure on you all the time. Joshua is the book of victory. They go from victory to victory. Oh, they had some setbacks, but they came right, they bounced right back from them. Nothing kept them down. They just, all right, we missed it there. Let's go on. We can miss it sometimes. We can fall down on some things. We cannot do some things right. But you can make it better. You can change it. I hope we can get that part of it down. What's God's part? He is to give, deliver, and defeat. Which means it's not my role to give to myself. It's not my role to deliver myself. And it's not my role to defeat the enemies that come up against me. That's His role. It's my role to be strong and courageous, keep His commands, serve Him, love Him. That's my role. I let Him do His role. Oh, I tell you what, life is great when we get relaxed and letting other people do what they're called to do. It's a good thing. It is a, it is a good thing. Because you know what? We're all, none of us, we're not all hands, we're not all feet. We all have different things that we do and we do them well. And you know what? Let the people around you that are gifted do those things that they do. Let them do them well. Let them do them. I don't got to step in there and do all, all those different things. They got other people who got anointings, got grace to carry out different things. Oh, let them go. Be strong and courageous. Keep His commands. Serve the Lord. And love Him. Father, we thank You for the help that You give us. Thank you for examples like Joshua and the elders, the way they led Israel. Thank you for the example they showed us, how they knew what your role was, and they knew what their role was. And we need to learn that just as well. Your call and our call are different. We each have our place, 
to bring about success. So, Father, we want to be strong and courageous to keep all of your commands and to do them. To serve the Lord. Not to serve ourselves by serving the Lord, but to serve the Lord. We know from your word that we serve you by serving others. We thank you we can do that. And to love you. Oh, to do the things the Word of God talks about is loving you. Those are the things we need to focus on. That's what we need to do. Father, I thank you for the help that you give us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.